I think one of the most important elements, and this is something that when you're studying for your certifications, they always kind of drill into you, is you constantly course correct. You constantly reevaluate. You constantly see if there are things that you could do that could improve the process as you're going along. That's just critical. You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats, from severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where for just a few minutes of your day, we provide insights and ideas for keeping safe your most valuable asset, your people. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld, and I'm super excited to be joined today by Michelle Schutte, who is the Managing Director of Business Continuity and Incident Management at Charles Schwab. Michelle, thanks so much for being here. How are you today? Great, thank you. Excellent. Well, it's great to have you on the show, and I look forward to discussing how to create and improve business continuity programs. But before we begin, can you tell our listeners just a bit more about your background and your role at Charles Schwab? Yeah, sure. Um, so I've been at Schwab for uh, 22 years now. So I started out in IT, uh, moved towards problem and incident management, and um, ended up in uh, incident management, uh, also business continuity. But uh, the team that I manage now, we are primarily focused on the incident response of the company and and end-to-end operational resilience. Okay. So you've got both deep experience in this space, but also with a single organization, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, Everyone always thinks it's going to be five years and then it just flies by. (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) Well, let's go ahead and jump into it. How does Charles Schwab approach organizational resiliency? I think we're very similar to a lot of our peers. Um, The notion of business continuity as a program, you know, having the business recovery and the incident management embedded in one, and then the notion of um, really how do we remain operational in a disruption? What do we do afterwards? What are those response plans? Um, Does it involve communication? Um, That's really where you start to look at the operational resilience. And when you start to look at not just your business continuity plans as a person, but as a product and a service, you know, what are those critical things that you deliver? Um, I think that's true of the financial industry, but it's probably applicable to hospitals and things of that nature, right? What are you doing that is critical and do you have a plan for it? Okay. So basically just identify those key things that are most critical and then work backwards from there. And then over time, that's right. 22 years, build out a plan that takes care of everything. <laughs> that's right. Most everything that we do works backwards. You do a gap analysis, and then you kind of figure out what's critical, and then how does it apply? What what regulations do you have? What mm. do you align to? And then you start to plan from there. So you almost always work backwards. Yeah, that's usually the best way to do it. Uh, otherwise, you'll, yeah. you'll start going off in directions that don't get you to your endpoints. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> right. It would be easy to do a rabbit hole. <laughs> yes, yes, clearly in this space, yep. What are some ways your crisis team communicates with employees to keep them informed and directly involved with the company's continuity plans? Because that can be tough for a large organization. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the most critical things um, as far as measuring the effectiveness of your program is, is your ability to really communicate and have it understood 
um, in a crisis or in an incident. Um, and, and I kind of don't use those words interchangeably because, you know, crisis kind of means like, ah, everything's on fire, whereas yes. incident you do tend to communicate more regularly. Um, and so uh, I think uh, any kind of mass notification is, is really important to um, your program. Um, and then making sure that, yes, you're able to communicate, but do they understand their role in it? Um, mm. So, yes, I acknowledge, yes, I'm waiting for the next message. And the way that you do that is you establish how you're going to communicate, and then you establish what their role is in training and awareness, and then you have to test. And the way that you really discover your effectiveness and your ability to reach is, is by continually um, testing. That's where you find all the gaps. That's where you find all the gaps. And, and if you um, are looking at it from a risk-based perspective and you think, wow, I'm going to have hurricanes that I'm going to be dealing with now through November, as it seems, um, you know, you want to make sure that you're testing that area well in advance and that you're measuring it in some way that you understand your ability to reach a certain area, region, however you, however you carve that out. Um, but you really do need to understand your risk and test towards that. Over the years, have you found some creative ways to get your people to buy into the idea that they need to give up part of their busy day to go through this kind of testing and planning? I think you really need to have a good story if you're in an organization and you're trying to instill this culture, mm. you need to explain why it's important. You need to tell them in an earthquake, I need to know that you're okay, or you may have critical information. You may be asked to help recover, whatever that might be. You really need to tell the story of why it's important. And again, um, reinforcing the role. It's usually good to have that kind of reinforcement somewhere close to your test, and that tends to drive up the willingness to participate. Yeah, I think you're right. Anytime you start with the why, then people go, oh, okay, you're right. Yeah. And then they're more emotionally bought in and willing to do it instead of being so resistant. Yeah, if you think about some of the experiences that most employees have had over the last couple of years, like having to get critical alerts for wildfires and things like that, if you think about it, they're, they're starting to see that and use it as part of their life. Mm. So it makes sense that it would be part of work as well. Yeah, that makes sense. And when you approach folks out in the field, are you going like directly to the actual people or do you go to management or do you work with everybody yeah, together? Like how, how does that work? Yeah, so we leverage, um, you know, teams um, that have natural roles, but we also... Um, go out to managers and we go to employees and um, it, it seems very similar when we talk with our peers, that, that's kind of a common approach. Um, and then, you know, a lot of um, companies use annual training. Oh, okay. Is this like a, a formal thing where everyone in the company has to go through it, like an online something or other? Yeah. 
yeah, I could see that'd be good. Everyone's going through their annual security training, their, you know, don't click on this link type training, (laughs) all that. But uh, business resiliency, it makes sense. Just keep it top of mind to people so they know that it's important. Well, just to switch the topic a little bit to everybody's favorite topic these days, COVID-19. Clearly, it's posed some unique challenges for every organization out there, no matter how big or small or what industry you're in. If you think back over your career, was there ever an incident that you faced at Schwab or elsewhere that prepared you, at least in some minor way, for any of the impacts of the pandemic? I think prior to this, the only thing that I had seen where you see some devastation and effect on the market was probably Hurricane Sandy. Yeah. You know, shutting down a market for a day and and just the impacts there and the volatility and everything. I think if you really think about it, this, this beyond just the massive shutdown, this was just a perfect storm. There were, there was market volatility. There was, it was just everything all at once. Um, suddenly you're worried about, and we had one of the most active hurricane seasons. So suddenly you're worried about telecom and, and and the availability in a way that you never really were before. Right. If you have people on site, that's one thing. If, um, if they're working from home, well, then you're monitoring for things and assumptions that you just didn't have before. So um, I think to some degree that was comparable, but this is just bigger. Yeah, yeah. It and has it's layered. many variables. That's right. And you've got pandemic. And then on top of that, you've got hurricane. And on top of that, you got market volatility. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's nuts. It's almost like you, you can't prepare for this. All you can do is just keep, keep slogging along, making your program better and better. And then when something like this hits, you'll at least be able to absorb it a little bit better than if you had done nothing. Right. And I think one of the most important elements, and this is something that, you know, when you're studying for your certifications, they always kind of drill into you, is you constantly course correct. You constantly reevaluate. You constantly see if there are things that you could do that could improve the process as you're going along. That's just critical. Yep. Well, I mean, I always say nothing ever goes according to plan, at least 100% according to plan during emergencies. So you have to just stop, observe, call audibles, and then communicate them and then get people to react based on what you're you're communicating. So it's critical. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. During this time of which there is tremendous uncertainty, a lot of organizations have had to adopt new methods of communication to reach what are now tons of remote workers and keep their people informed of things like new regulations. What kind of communication methods does your team use to ensure your message gets across very clearly and efficiently to everyone and you know they got the message? It's part of your communications uh, and, and understanding that mine is primarily focused on, you know, business recovery or interruption or something like that. You have to have method of communication based on urgency. Mm. So for example, um, my day-to-day may be email or it might be Slack or it might be, you know, whatever that day-to-day is. Then you have to have kind of like a notch above that, that this is kind of urgent and you need to pay attention to it, that have to have it. If it's something that's ever-changing, I'd probably have it in training. If it were something urgent related to um, interruption or recovery, I'm probably going to opt for something like SMS or 
Um, you know, if you have the capabilities of sending something via a desktop alert, for example, mm-hmm. um, that's a great idea too. Something that really captures the um, the attention and kind of makes you have to click on it to go away. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, multi-channel, I think, is absolutely critical. Yeah. And it's uh, not only that, you don't just want to hit one, everybody on every channel every time. But to your point, just reserve the more urgent methods for the more urgent communications. Absolutely. If you hit people up with SMS messages all the time, they're going to start ignoring you. They will. If you do desktop <laughs> pop-ups all the time, they start just clicking and <laughs> looking away that's before right. they ever actually uh, absorb the message. So that's really, really critical. Well, I know you were involved in the very early days of business continuity planning at Schwab and as someone who has authored an original crisis management plan for their organization, what tips can you share for professionals in this space that are just starting a business continuity program from scratch? And is there anything in specific or specifically that they should avoid? You have to know your stakeholders. I think that's really, really important. But I think this is such a great time to be in this business and to be starting out because there is such great information out there. There, there are, first of all, there are podcasts. There are um, really seasoned professionals out there that are sharing templates and things like that, um, that I would do my research and um, really, you know, kind of look at the different types of crisis plans or plans. And um, I would kind of think about my stakeholders and what I'm trying to accomplish and, um, and I would just start outlining it that way. Um, I think if you do not have a structure in place, then I would kind of research some of the best practices out there. Um, you know, if you're going to go buy SEMAs um, or if you're going to, if you're somebody that really uh, has FFIEC as one of your measuring sticks, just kind of go out there and look at the structure of, how you have, you know, um, recovery teams and, and crisis teams and, and how you're going to coordinate and cascade information. For us, it's very, very clear, the client experience, right? Because yeah. that's what we do. Every company has their mission or their, their key product and service. You have to understand that if you're going to be successful in that program. Yeah, clearly. Are there things that people should specifically avoid doing? Like what, what punch in the face did you get? You're like, Oh, I wish I'd known to duck. (laughs) Yeah. Get your stakeholders involved. Make sure you do a mapping. Make sure you really understand if you've written your plan and then you discover a stakeholder that may have a very, very strong opinion. Um, you may end up rewriting quite a bit. Mm, Interesting. (laughs) Or get ahead of it. Or, you know, it's much more difficult to discover them down the road. Yes. Do okay. your research early on. Yeah, that's good advice. That's good advice. Well, let's say a team now has a good foundation in place. How can they mature their business continuity program over time to account for new potential threats and expanding a remote team and any changes that may continue to come their way? What's a, I mean, you've done that here. You've been there 22 years. How, how have you matured things over time? Part of it is, like I'd mentioned, you, you need to be somebody that um, is an advocate for lessons learned. Mm-hmm. I think as you look at risks across your peers, what's happened out there, you need to have some what if. 
um, kind of scenarios and do scenario-based tabletop or analysis or, you know, just kind of what if that happened to us, what would we do? And you need to start building mitigation plans for it or leveraging something that you have. Well, in your experience, what are some of the best practices for coordinating plans across teams to allow for better decision-making when it comes to business continuity and recovery and things like that? Integration is as effective as bringing together stakeholders and making them aware of the assumptions of a plan. Um, That is always the trickiest piece is when somebody says, well, they'll just prioritize and, you know, they may have no idea how to prioritize, and that might have just been your assumption. Mm. You have to bring people together. You have to have integrated walkthroughs. You have to have integrated tabletop. I remember up here talking about that. They were doing life and death types of things because they worked for a hospital. Um, but he was talking about how frequently they do that, how frequently they sit out and they um go through kind of drills as a team integrated mm-hmm. because there's no margin for error there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like not just in, you know, intra team that should you be planning and testing all the time, but uh, inter team, like between teams, yep. just coordinate, 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 because I mean, clearly we can't plan for everything, but if everyone has gone through the motions of working together and gone through some kind of plan, when it does hit, then nobody's sitting around deer in the headlights. They at least have the muscle memory to jump into action and then react based on the new information they're getting. That's exactly right. And at least it's just my opinion, but I don't, I don't envision that um, there's an employee somewhere sitting in San Francisco that when a big quake comes, goes, hang on, let me look at that page <laughs> in my plan. It's, it's more about being aware of it and right. being practiced because to your point, that scenario may not be specific, um, but the, the more you practice it, the more you, you walk through it, the more you talk through it, the better you'll be to respond. That's right. I mean, it could be something as simple as you're in your house and you smell smoke. If you have never practiced getting out of the house, you're going to be a deer in the headlights and go, do I stay right. in bed? Do I get up? Are the kids upstairs? Like, what, what do I do? But if you've gone through it four or five, 10 times over a course of a number of years, it happens, you kind of just by, you remember that muscle memory and you just jump into action. I mean, think about the people that um, just recently started um, receiving alerts about wildfires, um, only having been through it, what, two, three years ago. And now they expect it and look for it. That's practice. That's exactly right. Well, no matter how prepared a team is, and we talked about this before, but I think every company can relate to going through incidents that expose holes in their continuity plans. So what do you recommend organizations do after incidents to analyze and improve their response? What's a a good post-mortem routine? For me, it's always been understanding the incident, understanding how we came together, what the challenges were, and then you almost take a few minutes to kind of brainstorm about what would have made it a little bit better. Mm. And um, is it, is it feasible? Is it, is it something we should look into? Is it something we can just incorporate to make us a little bit crisper next time? Um, But I I think you have to have that structure in your, in your postmortem. It's not meant to be 
a bickering session is meant to be very productive. And so you have to have it in an environment where there's no fault, really. It's, it's about improvement. And how much do you involve executive management in these types of things? It really depends on the size of your company, um, yeah. you know, how engaged, how hands-on they are. Um, if you have like risk committees and boards and things like that, you're probably not involving your executives. But if you're not involving the people that are responsible for leadership in a crisis, there, there could be some pretty significant gaps or detachment from reality and what you establish as an improvement. Yeah. And it seems to me that in an emergency, that's clearly when executive leaders oftentimes step in and they have, I mean, the buck stops there. They have to know what are the gaps? How can we respond? Why didn't we think about this in advance? And if they're mm-hmm. not aware of that stuff, it it's not good. <laughs> right. So minimum right. reported up to them, what you, the gaps that you find. If you, for example, in almost all of, of our profession, they talk about, you know, establishing somebody that's responsible for PR or whatever, if you're not engaging with them and you're not learning from, you know, incidents and and getting their feedback, um, that's a big gap in your process. You're not really digging down deep into process improvement and you probably are responding or having the same challenges over and over. Right. Which is just like banging your head against the wall and expecting it not to hurt after a while. (laughs) That's right. It's going to always feel like you're hurting cats. Yes, clearly. Well, I want to close just by asking one more question. We like to give our audience something they can take with them and immediately go make an impact on their organization. So in your mind, what's something that our audience can take action on today to help them improve their company's safety culture? Yeah, if you already have an established program and you have established personnel for your response and you're asking what's next, what's deeper. I think it has to be it has to be owned at every employee level now. Hmm. Understanding risk, understanding what it looks like to escalate, and then knowing what they're going to do immediately after. I think that's the next big thing. That's great. So it's basically start at the top with the biggest things if you're just new to it. And then over time it could take you months, it could take you years, could take you decades. Get to a point where literally Every employee knows what they're supposed to do when things happen. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Well, hey, this has been a fantastic conversation. Absolutely appreciate your expertise and advice on improving safety culture. But if anyone listening has follow-up questions or just wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that out there? Um, Michelle Shady on LinkedIn. Okay. Wonderful. Well, thanks again for taking time to join us on the Employee Safety Podcast. And to the rest of you, we will see you next time. Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication. You need a panic-proof solution for high-stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi-channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate. Connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. 
If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.